praise in this house. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. You may be seated all around the building today. I am, uh, I am uh, excited this morning. Uh, Pastor Tommy's back. I can be excited again. Uh, I've, I've, I've had to be fired up as evangelist Tommy, but as Pastor Tommy, I can be excited. Those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, it's because you missed it. Um, um, Pastor Tommy's been out of the pulpit for about two weeks. Evangelist Tommy has been in. You wonder what the difference is. Evangelist Tommy doesn't worry about time. And Evangelist Tommy doesn't worry about, you know, he, he preaches a little straighter. He's not as nice and gentle as Pastor Tommy is. I don't understand why every time I say that people chuckle. I, I don't understand. Um, God is laid on my heart for the month of August to preach a series called Covered By. We're going to be talking about covered by love covered by joy, covered by peace, and covered by hope. And uh, I believe, I believe God wants to say something different in our hearts. I know we, we laugh a lot and we, we talk about how that I can be a little straight as a preacher and I can be a little, little hard-nosed at times, and Evangelist Tommy was real hard-nosed. And, uh, but I do believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a good news gospel. Amen. And, and, and I think once in a while, God wants just to speak into us that there are some things in the midst of a world that is falling apart, in the midst of a world where, where we have in 24 hours, we have in two different locations, 29 people that lose their life to angry gunmen. There needs to be some good news. There needs to, I, I, I'm all for, I preached about it the other night, I'm all for raising a standard. I'm all for understanding that, that there is a need for holiness and there is a need to do the right thing. But I also believe that it is important to understand that when we live in a world that feels like it's raining pain, and it's raining sorrow, and it's raining difficult times, and it's raining oppression and heartache that God gives us an umbrella. He covers us by something. I choose to get under the Harley-Davidson umbrella. I believe God wants to choose to cover me with that. That would be great. Uh, I would like to cover a Harley-Davidson. But anyway, that's another story. But I do believe that God has provided for us protection. When I began to think about this series, it was actually, um, I don't remember if it was last Sunday or Sunday, it was Sunday before, it was the Sunday before revival kicked off. And, and it was a Sunday morning and I got up and I was looking at the last few things of my sermon and all of a sudden God started pumping this covered by series into my mind. And, and immediately, image that came to me were these umbrellas. It was, it was as if God was, was telling me that in the storms of our life, He wasn't going to leave us exposed, but rather He was going to cover us with the protection, and He was going to cover us with love, joy, peace, and hope. He was going to give us what we can't get in the world. And, and, and so, 
Today, I will be by love. Now, I know some of you would expect us to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's not where we're going. Won't you go to 1 Peter? Open your Bibles. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 4. Going to begin reading in verse number 1. If you don't know what's going on, we get excited when we uh, open the Word of God. Um, but we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 4. This is what the Word of the Lord says. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude He had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you'll be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of evil things that godless people enjoy. Their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness, and wild parties, their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised. When they no excuse me, when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. But remember that they will have to, they will have to face God, who stands ready to judge everyone, both living and dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they have they were destined to die like all people. They now live forever with, the, with God in the Spirit. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important, continue to show deep love for, what, for each other. For love covers a multitude of sin, sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from this great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have a gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your power. We thank you and we praise you for your anointing, for your peace, for your mercy, and for your grace. And Lord, I pray that you would just send your victory. Send your power and send your anointing, Lord, into this service. Lord, I want you to move us, Lord, away from the pain, away from the heartache, away from the struggles of this life. Lord, I want you to help us find that covering place of love where you direct us, where you protect us, where you provide for us. Lord. I thank you for that mercy, and I thank you for that grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. I believe that God has brought a word to us today that we 
can live on. The, the word for today, the message that God has laid in my heart, this isn't about what you need to do per se. It's what you need to trust. When we begin to trust the Word of God, I, coming out of this revival, the thing that has amazed me is that this revival has been about church, getting ready to be the church. It's been about us understanding that we can't just sit back and wait, but instead we've got to step out in faith and trust that God is going to carry us. My wife told me that these were props, that they were set, but one of them fell, so I'm going to use it. We need to get to a place where instead of looking at the world and saying, I can't do anything about the evil, I can't do anything about the hurt, that we understand that God has given us a way through faith in Him that we can walk out in the middle of the pain and still be covered. See, somewhere down the line, we decided that our covering came inside this room. We decided that our covering came inside a church. That's not what we're covering. I want you to go. I want you to get the covering with you. So let's put that in another form that maybe we can understand better. I want you to quit using the covering of the church, and I want you to start carrying the covering of the church with you. See, see, there's something amazing that happens. When you carry the covering with you, then you can find the people that need that love and you can cover them as well. You can, you can share. Oh, when I was in college, I went and got me a big old umbrella like one of these black and white ones. I used to say that my umbrella was big enough if I wanted to, I could preach a tent revival in it. And, and, and the first thing that I did is I found out that it rains a lot in Cleveland, and where I went to school. And so I, I got an umbrella, and I'd walk around, and I didn't care if guys were getting wet, but I'd find me some girls that were getting wet. And I had an umbrella big enough that I couldn't just walk one girl. I could walk two or three girls to class. I found the right one, relax. I wanted other people under that covering. What happens when we start carrying the umbrella of God's love? What happens when we start carrying God's joy, God's peace, God's hope, and now we start going out and we start sharing that? We start. You. You 
You got to know. Because when you convert, Can I go the other side of that, though? They're going to know what your cologne smells like. What your perfume smells like. Can I tell you something? When we get close enough to start walking with other people under the covering of God's love, God's peace, God's joy, God's hope, they're going to start to smell the sweet perfume of worship on our life. Mm. My, my roommate's girlfriend used to send every note that she sent to him. She used to perfume on it. I was like, man, I like your girlfriend's perfume. It smelled good. Oh. What is that? I, I was at, what, what, what kind of perfume is that? My wife never bought that perfume. I, you know, it's okay. So it has other perfume. But all of a sudden, you begin to seek out what it is. When they begin to smell worship on you, they begin to smell praise on you. They begin to smell peace on you. They start saying, ooh, 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 what's that? What's that? Oh, that's my worship. Oh, that, that's my praise. That's my peace. That's my joy. That's the love of God that's in my life. It covers us, and by covering us, it brings us together with the world. We need to find a way that we begin to move into the streets. Now, we walk out there by faith. Now, as I begin to read the scripture, he starts off and he talks about that Christ suffered physically. And when we are willing and suffer physically, it changes our commitment. Mm, we don't like that preaching. I'm trying to be nice. It's supposed to be a nice series, but I've got to go here. Some of us, we only want a commitment to God if it doesn't cost us something. But when we have the attitude that, God, I'm willing to suffer for you. I am willing to go through some hard times. I'm willing to suffer physically. The Bible says when you have suffered physically, you have an end to sin. Pastor, what do you mean? You're saying that if we'll suffer physically, we don't sin anymore? I'm telling you, when you start paying a big enough price, you don't want to sin anymore. When you start paying a big enough price, he says, forgive you. Once you have started paying a price, then all Here's what he says. He says, you, in verse 3, you have had enough in the past of evil things that godless people enjoy. Their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness, drunkenness and wild parties, and their He says, when you began to pay the price, when you began to understand what it's like, to get out there in the world, you begin to say, I am all. 
Rarely do I, I'm, I'm a macho man. Little water ain't going to hurt me. I'm not sugar. I ain't going to melt. Don't shake your head yes when I only time she ever says amen is if I say I'm not sugar. I, I, I'm not going to melt. But I've been there when we lived in Cleveland, Tennessee, and we went to college. And it rained, not just a little rain, it rained a lot of rain. And I've been there where I walked out and I got wet. And I got soaked. And, and, and you know how it is in a heavy rain. You get wet and you can't get dry for hours. You sit in class and you're cold. And I've been there where I realized, you know what? I need a covering. I've paid the price for my decisions. And I need something to make them better. I need something to do better with. Here's what he says. When you get to a place that you've suffered enough for Christ, you start saying, I've had enough of the past. I've had enough of being wet. I've had enough of all the problems. I've had... Any of you had enough of, of the devil's devices? Any of you ever been in trouble enough that you got tired of it? Anybody, got, anybody ever got tired of covering a lie with a lie? Anybody ever gotten tired of waking up with a hangover? Anybody ever gotten tired of hiding and, and, and trying to live a double life so people don't know the things that you're doing, the things that you're going through? Anybody gotten tired of, of this, that, and the other? Well, the truth of the matter is, when you get under the covering of God, you say, I don't have time for my past anymore. I've had enough of that stuff. I've had enough of those things. Now, that doesn't get easy. The Bible goes on and says, obviously... Your old friends are surprised. Oh, we know you. You're the party animal. You're this. You're that. Everybody knows my testimony. If there, if there was a picture beside the word goody two-shoes in the, in the dictionary, my picture would be there. I'm, I've never done anything except lie. And, 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 but what the world thinks of, I, I've not done much, but I know what it is to get a reputation. You know what my reputation is? And I don't understand this. It, this doesn't make sense to me. People see me and they go, oh, you're the clown. You're the comedian. You're the one that's always laughing real loud. I don't understand why I get a reputation for that kind of stuff. I... I, I don't understand why I get the reputation that I get. I don't understand why my, as I get older, my reputation is that I ought to step on people's feet. I, I, I don't understand that either. But, but all of a sudden, when you see people, when I moved back to Missouri to be your pastor almost seven years ago, I had left here in 1998. I was a youth pastor. And when I got here, everybody was like, Oh, the Lord is back. I go to St. Me like, oh, you're the one. You're crazy. I'm like, I was crazy when I was 27. Now I'm mature and sophisticated. 
friends were surprised at how logical I became. Y'all need to stop now. I, I, I began, I began to realize that it's hard for a leopard to change its spot. But I got news for you. You don't have to do it alone. You're going to make some decisions not to do some things anymore you used to do. Some of you are in this room and the things that you've been challenged with, you've been challenged with addictions, with alcohol and drugs and tobacco and, and these things. You've been challenged with that. But you don't have to keep doing that. Everybody expects you to. But you are greater than that because of God's power in your life. Some of you are in this room and your, your history, your, your reputation is that you're always depressed and you're always angry and you're always... You're like, okay. But you don't have to be that way. God has given you love, and now you can be. It's going to surprise some people. It's going to shock some people. But God's power changes your He makes things look different. So Peter here, he says, we've preached the good news even to those that are dead because judgment. You've surprised your friends. You've had enough. Everything has changed. And then he comes to verse 7. He says, the end of the world is coming soon. The end of the world. If Peter felt the end of the world, how much closer are we today? When Peter wrote this, some of the things that we look at in end time study seem like supernatural science, uh, sci-fi stories. Now they make sense. The idea of having a mark on your hand or on your forehead with which you buy and survive isn't supernatural. Oh, wow, that's weird. It's oh. If the Lord doesn't come back, what's our stance? Because chips in your hand and chips in your head are already there. If I don't, I, I, I won't face it. My kids are grown. My kids may face it. I feel like my grandkids definitely will face it. When their kids are born, they're going to be asked to chip those babies because it'll be the safest thing to do. It'll keep medical records close. Kid won't be able to run away or be abducted without being found. And I got to be honest with you, it makes sense to me. Somewhere down the road, we're going to have to stand up in a church and decide how we feel about computer chips. Now, let me just jump off a, a, a sidebar here and tell you, I don't know how I feel about it yet. I will tell you, I do not believe anybody will ever take the mark of the beast by accident. I believe that the tool of the mark of the beast will be there, but I don't believe anybody will take the mark of the beast by accident. And, and, and so I don't know the answer, but I'm telling you, we're so close to the end that now it's realistic. Now it's, it, it, it just, it makes, it's logical. One word. Every governments have a hard time standing on their own. If we can unify, then we can stand. 
One world government will make a whole lot of sense once everybody believes that aliens have invaded and taken a bunch of, taken millions of people out of the planet. That's what they'll call the rapture, by the way. He says the end of the world is near. So he gives us some instruction. He says, therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your desire. That's not what it says. It can be. It's not going to change your life. Be earnest and disciplined in how much you sing. That's not what he says. Be earnest and disciplined in how well you live. It says be earnest and disciplined in your prayer. It amazes me that we can get a crowd of people to come to a church service. We bring in a super-duper whooper-whopper evangelist and we get a crowd of people to come to a revival service. We bring in pastor evangelists and we can get a few people to come for two weeks. But when I announce that tonight is prayer, some of you already checked out and you're not going to be here. Tonight. When we begin to understand that we have placed prayer at the bottom of the prayer, in the last day, church ain't going to get you to heaven. Singing's not going to get you to heaven. Prayer. Prayer. How do, you, how do you repent of your sins? You pray. How do you get close to God? How do you build a relationship? You pray. Peter says, look, the end of time is coming. I need you to understand to become earnest and disciplined in your prayer. Earnest means sincere. This is not, Lord bless this food, heal it and raise it from the dead. Not a sincere prayer. Not now I lay me down to sleep a bag of peanuts at my feet. If I should die before I wake, give them to my brother Jake. That, that, that's not a sincere prayer. It's talking about earnest prayer, sincere prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's when we begin to weep and cry, when we begin to travail, and we begin to cry out, not just for our needs, but for other people's needs. We begin to truly intercede and stand in the gap for people. Why? Because there's not much time left. Pastor, what does this have to do with love? When you begin to talk about travailing and intercession, it only happens because you love somebody. It only happens because you have such love and concern for somebody that you want to dig in and pray for them. We talked about this uh, Thursday night, I think it was. We talked about uh, 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 Jairus and his daughter, how he, he dug in and he prayed for her who couldn't pray for herself. She was dying. She was dead. And he wouldn't give up. He held on. We love somebody enough that we get sincere about our prayer. We get disciplined. You know what discipline means? It means that we put it above everything else. 
we have a structure. We have a schedule. I'm going to pray at 7 o'clock in the morning. And at 7 o'clock in the morning, you turn your phone off and you pray. I'm going to pray at 7 o'clock at night. You turn your phone off. You mute your phone and pray. See, our problem is we've become so accessible by everybody else that we no longer have access to God. We can't pray unless we're surfing Facebook. We can't pray and let, uh, unless the phone is ringing. I tell you, every time I sit down to pray, if I don't put my phone up or mute it, that's when somebody calls. You know what? 25 years ago, if somebody called you and you wasn't at home, they had to wait until you got home before they heard from you. And I got news for you. If you call me and my phone is muted, and I don't care if it's because I'm praying or because I've got family time, you'll be okay until I get back to my phone. Well, we, we, we've got to start understanding that just because it's become accessible, we don't have to be accessible. We, can, we need to be disciplined enough to be reaching out to God and saying, God, this is your time. This is your moment. Why? Because we don't have much time left. We don't have much time left. We have to be earnest and disciplined in our prayer. And that comes from our love to God. Our Savior. Then he goes on. And he says, I don't think this is working. It'll get me back there in a minute. Then he goes on and he says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sin. Continue to show deep love for one another. You want to know what the church needs more than anything else? We don't need better preaching. As a general rule, we got pretty good preaching. This generation of people probably got some of the best preachers in history. We got pretty good preaching. We don't need better music. Notice I talked about in general rule in the world when I talk about preachers. Now I talk about Souls Harbor. Souls Harbor, we got good music. And we're deep. We got, we got a lot of good musicians. We've got good music. We don't need better music. We, we, we don't need better uh, church programs. We don't need better church activities. We, we're, we're pretty good at that. What we need is love. We need better love. We need to show... A, here, here's how Peter says this. He said, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. A deep love for each other. You know what a deep love is? A deep love is a love like I have for my wife. Love like she has for me. See, she looks at me. And her eyes twinkle. That's a deep love. She tries to stop it, but she can't because it's a deep it's, it's an overwhelming love. Deep love causes you to do things you wouldn't normally do. I, I, I have a deep love for my wife. I have a deep love for my boys. 
That's why we have a crazy dog at our house. I don't have a deep love for that dog, but I got a deep love for my son. That's why I have that dog. Everybody says, you'll miss him. No, I won't. Because I don't love the dog, I love my son. It's my son that matters to me. A deep love begins to move you beyond things. Hear what Peter says. Show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sin. Excuse me, sins. Can I explain to you what a deep love does? A deep love causes you to look past imperfection. You know the word sin literally means miss the mark. Anything off of perfect is sin, technically. Okay? I'm going to let y'all in on a secret that will get me in trouble for the next four days. My wife is not perfect. She's got some things that just drive me insane. I, I just, just absolutely, I'm surprised that she's able to sit here in this room right now because if Beth was in charge of this room, Reach around there and turn those lights off. Because Beth cannot handle a light on anywhere in the house. That light's on? Yeah, we were in that room. It's using electricity. I don't care. You can turn the lights back on because I'm here. I grew up in a house where the bathroom light was always on. Lord have mercy. We leave a lot on overnight and the world's going to end. It drives me batty. You ought to hear me sometimes. She goes, the bedroom light's on. Oh. Now I walk to the back of the house with a grunt. <clears throat> Turn that light. Why? It annoys me. Well, what do you put up with it for? Because I love it. I overlook the fact that she has weird obsessions with having the lights off. Because I love her. And, and, well, see, I told you, I'm already getting that. Those, those cheeks are disappearing. They were talking to Beth. If her cheeks start disappearing, she's mad. All of a sudden, I overlook the thing that I don't like about her because I love her. Now, the good news is she can love me and she doesn't have to love as deep because there's not so many things about me that's, that's, that's annoying. Why does my wife put up with being the theme and the illustration in so many sermons? Because she loves me. Because her eyes twinkle when she looks at me. That's why she sits here and lets me talk about her and, and use her because we love each other. Our love for each other the difficulties. You know how I know that the church needs love? Because we don't cover each other's difficulties. Mm -hmm. Instead of covering the problem, Start pointing at the problem. We need love. 
We need the umbrella that works. We need love. Love covers religion and judgment. See, he says the end times are coming soon. You need to be earnest and disciplined in your prayer, but most of all, you need to love each other with a deep love. Because love covers a multitude of sin. That when we began as the church to love one another in a way that we overlook our struggles and our difficulties. We, 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 we begin to say, I'm not saying we drop the standard. I'm saying we understand what grace is. We understand what love is. I, 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 it sounds like I'm going against the standard. We let anything go. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is we love each other enough that we wrap our arms around one another and we help each other through the hard times. When there's a difficulty, we help. Rick and Mary love each other. Rick's better at it. Rick's better at it than I am. The other day, Mary fell down, sprained her ankle, all because Rick was honking the horn. Rick, I've been fighting for you. I don't know how it became your fault she fell down, but anyway. She said he finally got out of the car and he come in and he goes, are you okay? And I thought, man, I wish I loved my wife like that. Because sometimes my wife falls down. Few more than sometimes, but anyway. But I have a bad habit of walking in and going, What is your problem? You know you can't do that. You know you're not supposed to be there. You're not supposed to try to pick that up. What were you thinking? Oh, are you okay? See, here's the problem too many of us act like me. And when we see somebody hurting in the church, instead of re going to them and saying, hey, are you okay? Can, 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 can I love on you? Can I help you? Let me, let me, we go, what is your problem? What's wrong with you? You know better than that. See, somewhere we got to quit pointing and we got to start loving. That's how a church grows. That's what our church needs. We need love. We need love. We need, to, we need to let the love mm. Do you want God pointing at you or embracing you? Because I got news for you. If God was pointing at me, He has been all of His time pointing. But thank God, He embraces. That means in the middle of my struggles, in the middle of my bad mistakes, in the middle of my bad attitudes, in the middle of this, in the middle of that, God wraps his arms around me and says, whoa, hang on now. Hang on. Let me help you. Let me show you. Let me sturdy you. Let, let, me, let, me, let me get you through this trial. Not by telling you how bad you are. By showing you how much he When the church can begin to love each other that way, then Peter goes on and he says, we have been given blessing. We have been given gifts. Let's take those and do them well. 
Why does he go from love each other and love covering a multitude of sins to do what you do and do it well? He goes there because when you do what you do well, it helps you to cover other people's mistakes. He says here in, the, in this passage, where did I put my Bible? I laid it down. Go on to that next slide. He, he, he says here, he says, God says in verse, Peter says in verse 10, God has given each of you a gift from this great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You serve who you love. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all strength and energy, that, all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. You want to be covered by love? You want to cover other people with love? Do what God's prepared you to do. For His glory, not yours. There's no mistaking that Peter puts this at the end of a passage that he starts with. You need to be willing to suffer like Jesus. I am exhausted. I am physically exhausted. I have preached 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 sermons in the last 15 days. Maybe in 14. I've lost count. I'm tired. I mean, the good news is Evangelist Tommy didn't preach long. Evangelist Tommy made you understand how short-winded Pastor Tommy really was. Let me tell you something. I'm exhausted. I I am tired. Do you know why I'm tired? Because I love. You know... Wednesday night, no, it was Tuesday night. Tuesday night, I'm laying on the stage, praying after service, and I felt the Spirit of God. They go on to the end of the week. And I said, are you sure? Are you sure, God? Go on to the end of the week. Oh, God, I'll do it, but... I." Are you sure it's you? I, I need confirmation. I'm, I'm tired. All of a sudden, I'm laying there praying. Naoma is playing the, the keyboard. Quiet spirit. And all of a sudden, the sound system starts playing a song. And i got to be honest, I'm laying on that floor, and if you were looking at me, you would see me go, can't believe somebody in that sound booth just let this song start. And I got a little upset. I quit praying for a second. I thought about setting up and giving the sound system eye. 
And then all of a sudden, God said, hey. And as annoyed person would, I said, why? <laughs> and God said, what did you just hear? Well, the song that started playing was old church choir. It was stopped after the second line. The first two lines are, there's revival, and it's spreading. And then they stopped the music. And God said, quit getting mad at them. I just gave you your confirmation. We're going on to Friday. I come back in Wednesday. I'm talking to, to, to the sound person that was in the, in the booth, Crystal. I threw you under the bus. And I said, I said, what happened last night? I said, oh, no, I said, I got to tell you about last night. I don't know what happened, Pastor. I, I, I was plugging into things. I had already closed everything out. I hit a button. The computer came on. Proclaim wasn't even open, and that song started playing. I, I don't know. I said, it wasn't you. It was God. It, it, it wasn't a mistake. It was God. You see, when, when we begin to understand that it's not about us. It's about Him. Now, I, I, I say all that to say, I was tired. But if I make the revival all about me, we lose the victory. I, when, if God wants us to go another week, if God wants us to go another week, I'll go another week. But somewhere down the line, I, I've got to understand, it's not about, I don't know, Evangelist Tommy's gotten in my blood, I guess. I'm finally willing to admit I'm not a bad preacher. I'm not a bad preacher. But I'll tell you this, what talent I have as a preacher is not because of me, it's because of God. It's because of His anointing. I have sacrificed that part of my life. And so now, Peter says it this way, if you speak, speak as though Christ is speaking through you. Quit worrying about what it means to you. Quit worrying about this. Our problem is, too many times we do what God has called us to do, but we do it as long as we get the recognition. As long as we get the, oh, they're so giving. As long as, as we get the, 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 the accolades and the pats on the back, but Peter says, listen, if you truly love, be willing to suffer like Jesus suffered. I'm tired. I'm exhausted from preaching, but I don't even know what tired of what tired's like of dragging my own cross up a mountain. I don't even know what that kind of tired is. I don't know what it means to be tired like some other people who have suffered for God. And so my job now is to do my ministry. Mm. Quit not doing your ministry because you don't think you can keep up. And do what God has called you to do. Whatever He's, he's called you to help people, help them with gladness. If He's called you to sing, sing all your joy. If He's called you to teach, teach with passion. If He's called you to preach, preach with anointing. Whatever God has called you to do, quit making it about you. Quit making it about what does this mean to me and love God and love others enough to say, I will
when we begin to love God enough to understand how much God loves us. Enough to understand that we suffer because He suffered. That we sacrifice because He sacrificed. Some people get in to this thing and they think that they get to a place that other people are supposed to serve them. Oh, that drives me batty. When I was a staff member, I was pretty good. I had to understand the whole idea of an armor bearer. And I was the kind of staff member I had learned early on. I was the kind of staff member that if we was going somewhere, I tried to always carry my pastor's bag. I tried to make sure that my pastor was the first one to eat. I tried to make sure my pastor was the first one. We were in a buffet. He was the first one through the line if I didn't get it for him. I tried to make sure that what whoever I was working with, they were taken care of. They were served. But every pastor I worked for, it made them nervous, and that's the way it was supposed to be. Every pastor I worked for, none of them ever expected. But I've been around a few people. I am such a... Make sure you take care of me. Make sure you do this. Make sure you do that. Make sure you do this. Good news for you. We don't get to a place in ministry that people serve us. We get to a place in ministry that we're always serving people. That's what being covered by love is about. Doing what God called us to do well. You're not going to get to a place that people are supposed to serve you because you're so good at what you do. The better you get at what you do, the more you serve people. One of the greatest things I've ever seen. General Assembly a couple of years ago. I don't remember if it was Dr. Hill or if it was Dr. Um, uh, Williams. But when they became general overseer, their first act, they washed the feet of assistant general overseer. And he preached a sermon about how it was more important to have a towel than a gavel. He said, as a general overseer, it's not my job to have the gavel that controls situations. My job to have the towel that serves. Church, let me tell you something. We've got to get to a place that we understand every bit of ministry we have serving. It's serving in love. And when we serve in love, everything else falls in place. When we, when we love one another enough to serve one another, we find victory. We'll find growth. And we begin to realize that our church, our hearts, are all covered by love. In the middle of our heartache, in the middle of our pain, in the middle of difficult times, we don't feel the rain pain. Because we've been covered by love. Go, Lord, and dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you right now. Lord, I thank you for your 